Section One of the Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bob Neufeld. Philosophy of Furniture by Edgar Allan Poe. In the internal decoration, if not in the external architecture of their residences, the English are supreme. The Italians have but little sentiment beyond marbles and colors. In France, meliora probant deteriora secuntur, the people are too much a race of gadabouts to maintain those household priorities of which, indeed, they have a delicate appreciation, or at least the elements of a proper sense. The Chinese and most of the Eastern races have a warm but inappropriate fancy. The Scotch are poor decorists. The Dutch have, perhaps, an indeterminate idea that a curtain is not a cabbage. In Spain they are all curtains, a nation of hangmen. The Russians do not furnish. The Hottentots and Kickapoos are very well, in their way. The Yankees alone are preposterous how this happens it is not difficult to see we have no aristocracy of blood and having therefore as a natural and indeed as an inevitable thing fashioned for ourselves an aristocracy of dollars the display of wealth has here to take the place and perform the office of the heraldic display in monarchical countries by a transition readily understood and which might have been as readily foreseen we have been brought to merge in simple show our notions of taste itself to speak less abstractly in england for example no mere parade of costly appurtenances would be so likely as with us to create an impression of the beautiful in respect to the appurtenances themselves or of taste as regards the proprietor this for the reason first that wealth is not in england the loftiest object of ambition as constituting a nobility and secondly that there the true nobility of blood confining itself within the strict limits of legitimate taste rather avoids than affects that mere costliness in which a parvenu rivalry may at any time be successfully attempted the people will imitate the nobles and the result is a thorough diffusion of the proper feeling but in america the coins current being the sole arms of the aristocracy their display may be said in general to be the sole means of the aristocratic distinction and the populace looking always upward for models are insensibly led to confound the two entirely separate ideas of magnificence and beauty in short the cost of an article of furniture has at length come to be with us nearly the sole test of its merit in a decorative point of view and this test once established has led the way to many analogous errors readily traceable to the one primitive folly there could be nothing more directly offensive to the eye of an artist than the interior of what is termed in the united states that is to say in appalachia a well-furnished apartment its most usual defect is a want of keeping we speak of the keeping of a room as we would of the keeping of a picture, for both the picture and the room are amenable to those undeviating principles which regulate all varieties of art, 
and very nearly the same laws by which we decide on the higher merits of a painting suffice for decision on the adjustment of a chamber a want of keeping is observable sometimes in the character of the several pieces of furniture but generally in their colours or modes of adaptation to use very often the eye is offended by their inartistic arrangement straight lines are too prevalent too uninterruptedly continued or clumsily interrupted at right angles if curved lines occur they are repeated into unpleasant uniformity by undue precision the appearance of many a fine apartment is utterly spoiled curtains are rarely well disposed or well chosen in respect to other decorations with formal furniture curtains are out of place and an extensive volume of drapery of any kind is under any circumstance irreconcilable with good taste the proper quantum as well as the proper adjustment depending upon the character of the general effect carpets are better understood of late than of ancient days but we still very frequently err in their patterns and colours the soul of the apartment is the carpet from it are deduced not only the hues but the forms of all objects incumbent a judge at common law may be an ordinary man a good judge of a carpet must be a genius yet we have heard discussing of carpets with the air d'un qui rêve fellows who should not and who could not be entrusted with the management of their own moustaches every one knows that a large floor may have a covering of large figures and that a small one must have a covering of small yet this is not all the knowledge in the world as regards texture the saxony is alone admissible brussels is the preter pluperfect tense of fashion and turkey is taste in its dying agonies touching pattern the carpet should not be bedizened out like a ricari indian all red chalk yellow ochre and cock's feathers in brief distinct grounds and vivid circular or cycloid figures of no meaning are here median laws the abomination of flowers or representations of well-known objects of any kind should not be endured within the limits of christendom indeed whether on carpets or curtains or tapestry or ottoman coverings all upholstery of this nature should be rigidly arabesque as for those antique floor-cloths still occasionally seen in the dwellings of the rabble cloths of huge sprawling and radiating devices stripe interspersed and glorious with all hues among which no ground is intelligible these are but the wicked invention of a race of time-servers and money-lovers children of baal and worshippers of mammon Benthams who to spare thought and economize fancy first cruelly invented the kaleidoscope and then established joint stock companies to twirl it by steam glare is a leading error in the philosophy of american household decoration an error easily recognized as deduced from the perversion of taste just specified we are violently enamored of gas and of glass the former is totally inadmissible within doors its harsh and unsteady light offends no one having both brains and eyes will use it a mild or what artists term a cool light with its consequent warm shadows will do wonders for even an ill-furnished apartment 
never was a more lovely thought than that of the astral lamp we mean of course the astral lamp proper the lamp of argon with its original plain ground-glass shade and its tempered and uniform moonlight rays the cut-glass shade is a weak invention of the enemy the eagerness with which we have adopted it partly on account of its flashiness but principally on account of its greater rest is a good commentary on the proposition with which we began it is not too much to say that the deliberate employer of a cut-glass shade is either radically deficient in taste or blindly subservient to the caprices of fashion the light proceeding from one of these gaudy abominations is unequal broken and painful it alone is sufficient to mar a world of good effect in the furniture subjected to its influence female loveliness in especial is more than one half disenchanted beneath its evil eye in the matter of glass generally we proceed upon false principles its leading feature is glitter and in that one word how much of all that is detestable do we express flickering unquiet lights are sometimes pleasing to children and idiots always so but in the establishment of a room they should be scrupulously avoided in truth even strong steady lights are inadmissible the huge and unmeaning glass chandeliers prism cut glass lighted and without shade which dangle on our most fashionable drawing-rooms may be cited as the quintessence of all that is false in taste or preposterous in folly the rage for glitter because its idea has become as we before observed confounded with that of magnificence in the abstract has led us also to the exaggerated employment of mirrors we line our dwellings with great british plates and then imagine we have done a fine thing now the slightest thought will be sufficient to convince any one who has an eye at all of the ill effect of numerous looking-glasses and especially of large ones regarded apart from its reflection the mirror represents a continuous flat colourless unrelieved surface a thing always and obviously unpleasant considered as a reflector it is potent in producing a monstrous and odious uniformity and the evil is here aggravated not in a merely direct proportion with the augmentation of its sources but in a ratio constantly increasing in fact a room with four or five mirrors arranged at random is for all purposes of artistic show a room of no shape at all if we add to this evil the attendant glitter upon glitter we have a perfect farrago of discordant and displeasing effects the veriest bumpkin on entering an apartment so bedizened would be instantly aware of something wrong although he might be altogether unable to assign a cause for his dissatisfaction but let the same person be led into a room tastefully furnished and he would be startled into an exclamation of pleasure and surprise it is an evil growing out of our republican institutions that here a man of large purse has usually a very little soul which he keeps in it the corruption of taste is a portion or a pendant of the dollar manufacture as we grow rich our ideas grow rusty it is therefore not among our aristocracy that we must look if at all in appalachia for the spirituality of a british boudoir 
but we have seen apartments in the tenure of americans of modern possibly modest or moderate means which in negative merit at least might vie with any of the ormolude cabinets of our friends across the water even now there is present to our mind's eye a small and not ostentatious chamber with whose decorations no fault can be found the proprietor lies asleep on a sofa the weather is cool the time is near midnight we will make a sketch of the room during his slumber it is oblong some thirty feet in length and twenty-five in breadth a shape affording the best ordinary opportunities for the adjustment of furniture it has but one door by no means a wide one which is at one end of the parallelogram and but two windows which are at the other these latter are large reaching down to the floor have deep recesses and open on an italian veranda their panes are of a crimson tinted glass set in rosewood framings more massive than usual they are curtained within the recess by a thick silver tissue adapted to the shape of the window and hanging loosely in small volumes without the recess are curtains of an exceedingly rich crimson silk fringed with a deep network of gold and lined with silver tissue which is the material of the exterior blind there are no cornices but the folds of the whole fabric which are sharp rather than massive and have an airy appearance issue from beneath a broad entablature of rich gilt-work which encircles the room at the junction of the ceiling and walls the drapery is thrown open also or closed by means of a thick rope of gold loosely enveloping it and resolving itself readily into a knot no pins or other such devices are apparent the colours of the curtains and their fringe the tints of crimson and gold appear everywhere in profusion and determine the character of the room the carpet of saxony material is quite half an inch thick and is of the same crimson ground relieved simply by the appearance of a gold cord like that festooning the curtains slightly relieved above the surface of the ground and thrown upon it in such a manner as to form a succession of short irregular curves one occasionally overlaying the other the walls are prepared with a glossy paper of a silver-gray tint spotted with small arabesque devices of a fainter hue of the prevalent crimson many paintings relieve the expanse of paper these are chiefly landscapes of an imaginative cast such as the fairy grottoes of stanfield or the lake of the dismal swamp of chapman there are nevertheless three or four female heads of an ethereal beauty portraits in the manner of sully the tone of each picture is warm but dark there are no brilliant effects repose speaks in all not one is of a small size diminutive paintings give that spotty look to a room which is the blemish of so many a fine work of art overtouched the frames are broad but not deep and richly carved without being dulled or filigreed they have the whole lustre of burnished gold they lie flat on the walls and do not hang off the cords the designs themselves are often seen to better advantage in this latter position but the general appearance of the chamber is injured but one mirror and this not a very large one is visible 
in shape it is nearly circular and it is hung so that a reflection of the person can be obtained from it in none of the ordinary sitting places of the room two large low sofas of rosewood and crimson silk gold-flowered form the only seats with the exception of two light conversation chairs also of rosewood there is a pianoforte rosewood also without cover and thrown open an octagonal table formed altogether of the richest gold-threaded marble is placed near one of the sofas this is also without cover the drapery of the curtains have been thought sufficient four large and gorgeous sevres vases in which bloom a profusion of sweet and vivid flowers occupy the slightly rounded angles of the room a tall candelabrum bearing a small antique lamp with highly perfumed oil is standing near the head of my sleeping friend some light and graceful hanging shelves with golden edges and crimson silk cords with gold tassels sustain two or three hundred magnificently bound books beyond these things there is no furniture if we except an argand lamp with a plain crimson-tinted ground-glass shade which hangs from the lofty vaulted ceiling by a single slender gold chain and throws a tranquil but magical radiance over all. End of section one.